Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Social media has created a whole new set of terms for us in this world. These terms are called acronyms. In other words, while you're texting or while you're uh, Twittering or while you're TikToking, whatever you're doing, I have no idea. There's some abbreviations you use. Like, you see LOL, and you know that means laugh out loud. So I went on the internet, you know, internet's always right, okay? And they say there's over 1,500 different acronyms that you can use. So I thought, you know, I know this is a really savvy crowd, probably more savvy than the first service, right? All right. So now, if you were in the first service, you can't guess on these, all right? Because you can't cheat, make people think you're really smarter than you are. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up some acronyms on the screen. And you see if you can, this is audience participation, see if you can tell me what it is. The first one is R-O-F-L. Rolling on the floor laughing. There you go. How about this one, L-M-K? Let me know. Yeah, you guys are great. O-M-W. On my way. Man, I can't believe this. S-M-H. I can't believe you said that. Shaking my head. How about this one? NVM. Never mind. I come up with this one. DRTL. Simple. Didn't read too long. You post something for me to read? I was actually going to put DR. I won't tell you what I was going to put. How about this one? P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. Any takers for that one? That, that's right. Look at that. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Give them a hand. They understood that one. Even though nobody uses that on social media. How about this one we're going to look at today? YOLO. What does that one mean? You only live once. Finishing that statement with YOLO just simply means that you do whatever makes you happy and it's okay. Once somebody says YOLO, all judgments are off. Basically, YOLO is an excuse to say, I'll just do whatever I want to do that makes me happy. After all, you only live once. So might as well live it up, right? So phrases like this. Hmm. Should I get totally wasted this weekend regardless of the consequences? You only live once. Should I cheat on my tests and not do the homework? Well, you only live once. I know what the Bible says about pornography, adultery, homosexual lifestyle, obesity. But you know what? Jesus wants me happy. You only live once. So we're in this series called, I Didn't Say That, Jesus. Now, if you have a Bible, there's a lot of letters in there that are red. And the words that are in red, what are they? 
Jesus' words. But there are a lot of people who try to write in the red words that Jesus never said. So in this series, we're going to look at some of those. And today we're looking at YOLO. Jesus never said, you only live once, live up your life, whatever makes you happy. That's a lie that sounds truthful. Now, in fact, how many of you are believers today? Would you raise your hand? You're a Christ follower. You're a believer. So you can never use YOLO. You know why? Because the scripture says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and the all is new. Every believer that raised their hand, you're already living twice. You were born physically, but one day you surrendered your life to the Lord and you were born spiritually. So look around those people beside you. They're living a twice lived life. Isn't that awesome? Now, I was thinking this week, YOLO. What would Jesus say about YOLO? And would you know it? The answer came on the internet. Came with this t-shirt. And I thought I needed to get this t-shirt. Y-O-L-O-L-O-L-J-K-B-R-K-B-R-B. Just checking. See if you're as smart as the first service. Jesus. Now, here's what that means. It's not Greek. It means this. You only live once. Laugh out loud. Just kidding. Be right back, Jesus. Wow, let's give him a hand. Yeah, I believe that today. So go with me to John chapter 8, and let's see a truth that maybe the Lord would say to us that he doesn't really say you only live your life once, so just live it up however you want to live it. John chapter 8, are you there? But early the next morning, he, Jesus, was back again at the temple. The crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. He began to teach them. As he was speaking... The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, remember the Pharisees? The Pharisees were always thinking they were better than everybody else. They could live and always finding fault with everybody else. So the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. Pause there. Now, think about this. They brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Now, doesn't your mind naturally go to another question? And the question is, where's the guy? Where's the man? And another question comes to me was, why were they peeping in somebody's bedroom window? I mean, give me, what's up with this? But now you've got to visualize this picture. Evidently, She's caught in the very act of adultery, sexual intercourse, and they come in, they grab her, they want to make a show of her, so I'm sure they didn't say, we'll give you 10 seconds to put on some clothes. I'm sure she was probably naked, or at least maybe grabbed a sheet as she was going out and partially naked. And she stands there in front of Jesus, in front of all the people that's there, in front of all of them. And they put her in front and, the tea, and they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. But what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. 
Now, it's very complicated what they were trying to do here because the law of Moses said that if she was guilty, she was to be stoned. Now, I know this crowd, a little different than the first crowd, so I think I need to explain to you, it's not stone like medicinal purposes. It's like stone with a rock, and they're going to hit you in the head and the leg and the arm and everything. So, yeah, I, I could tell I had the right crowd here for that one. They were to stone her. Now, if Jesus had agreed and said, you're right, then as they started to stone her on that day, which they would have, Jesus' reputation of being full of grace and love, as Jennifer said so beautifully a while ago, that the Lord really wanted somebody to know that he loves you today, that reputation would have been gone. But on the other hand, if Jesus had said, YOLO, it's not really a big deal. Come on. Let's make an exception for this woman. I know what Moses said, but Moses was old and decrepit. Let's, let's give her a break right here. If he had done that, then he would have been condoning sin. And Jesus never condoned sin. So what does he do? Jesus, look at this, verse uh, 6. He stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, I know what you're already asking in your mind, that question I asked when, since I've been a little kid when I read this. What did he write, right? I mean, we've seen all kinds of speculations that he wrote this, that he wrote something else, that he wrote. Some of the later manuscripts said that he actually wrote down the sins of the accusers. After all, he is the son of God and he knows everything. He knows what you're trying to hide. He knows where you've been this week. He knows what you did last night. He knows all of that. So when we look at this in the Greek, there are two words for write down. One is graphine which means just simply to write or to scribble something. But the word that's used here is kata, which means against. Kata graphein. It means to write down a record against someone. To write down a record against someone. So my speculation could be as good as anybody else if he wrote down speculation. Maybe he wrote down there. There was the oldest guy among them. I'll call him Phil. Phil the Pharisee. And I see Jesus writing down, Phil the Pharisee, you went to the pole stripper palace last night. Ooh. And then he keeps writing, writing. Because after all, he knows. He knows. So he's writing there in the sand. And uh, they kept on demanding an answer. So Jesus stood up, all right, if you want an answer, here's what we'll do. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Here it is. If you've never sinned, you throw the first stone. Now we read that and look, never sinned, but in Greek it means you never wanted to sin. Now I've got to be honest with you. There are a lot of things in my life, a lot of times that I didn't do what I really wanted to do because I didn't want to do it, right? But you know how that temptation comes. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of nice, but yeah, you, you still have that desire to do it, but you didn't. Is that too real for you? 
Is that too real to know that there are temptations that comes against us and we'd really like to give in to that, but we choose not to do that because we know what the Word says, right? It's not YOLO, you only live once, we know the Word. Yeah, and some of you are Pharisees because you can point out the sins of others and you overlook your own. Even as I'm teaching this today, you're thinking, this is really a good Passover sermon. I'm going to pass this over my shoulder to Sean on the back row because Sean needs this teaching. I'm going to pass it over to Al. I'm going to pass it over to Frank on the back. I'm going to pass it because they need it. No, stop. The Holy Spirit may be speaking to you today. Take a good look at your life. Where are you today? Are you excusing the sin that's in your life? Beginning at verse 8, look at this. Then he stooped down again. And he wrote in the dust. When, his, when the accusers heard this, heard what he was writing, and heard what he just said, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Why do you think they began with the oldest? Because I believe while Jesus was writing, the older you live, the more sins you have in your life. And he was just writing them down. They were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the list was getting longer and longer. And so, see y'all later. So one by one, they began to leave. And then Jesus stood up and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them want to condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And then Jesus said, read it with me. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. YOLO? No. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, okay. Go and do what makes you happy. Go and follow your heart. It doesn't matter what you do. You do you, boo. I blew that in first service. Did I get better there, Eddie? All right, I got that one better on that. In fact, even Pastor Kevin from, he was a priest in Oklahoma this week. He said, Terry, when you say that, you've got to put it all together and don't just say Boo. Jesus is saying, I want you to go now. There was an urgency. I want you to live a free life. I want you to be different. I want you to be free. When I read Bible stories like this, I like to try to imagine them in a modern day scenario. So just, I'm just trying to get in the head of this, head of the, of this woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Maybe, maybe she was just a heathen. Maybe she just said, you know what, I'm just going I'm, I'm to have adultery with everybody I can find. I'm going to mess up all marriages that I can find. I'll just mess them all up. I don't, I, I, don't believe that's, I don't believe that's her. I believe maybe this woman, of course, she was married. And maybe when she and her husband first got married, they were very, uh, uh, the love was really great. And they loved one another and they were very caring for one another. But what happens so often in marriage is people grow apart because they quit working on their marriage. Used to be, guys, you opened up the door for your wife and now you hope she opens the door for you. Used to be you were kind enough and care enough and you would say nice things. But isn't it easy how we just get used to people and we drift apart? Maybe he became inattentive. Maybe he took her for granted. Maybe he was verbally abusive. 
Who knows? And maybe one day she went out and got a job to help her self-esteem because her, her esteem was so low. But wouldn't you know it, in the office there was this really nice guy. And he showed her attention. He would compliment her work. He would compliment what, how she wore, what the dress she wore that day. And uh, one day he notices your hair has changed. You have highlights in your hair. And she thinks, dang, my husband didn't even notice that. He notices everything about me. Now, it's, it's like innocent at this moment. Nothing wrong. Funny. Thoughtful. And then one day he comments on one of her posts. And then he starts putting hearts up and puts fire up and, and all of these things. As she starts looking forward, he looks for, she looks forward to what he posts or what he, how he reacts to her posts. One day they stay a little late, have to work. He begins to open up about his own marriage struggles. And they begin to connect at a deeper level. Then a week or so later, he tells her, you know, I think I married the wrong person. I wish I'd have married somebody like you. And then on that day, he accidentally brushes across her arm. But she thinks, was it accidentally? Because when she felt the brush of his arm, her emotions went tingly, tingly, tingly. I shouldn't feel this way. I know it's wrong. But it feels so right. He's what I've been missing. He makes me happy. And she tells her best friend what's going on at work. And her friend simply tells her, follow your heart. YOLO. You only live once. And step by step, not overnight, but step by step, she continues to walk in that direction until now in our story, we find her barely clothed and humiliated and thinking, how did I get to this place? And that's exactly where somebody is today that's in this house or watching online. It's little by little, you've been living your life in such a way you thought, well, I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. I know what the Bible says about shacking up and living together, but it makes me happy. And I believe God understands because YOLO, you only live once. The problem is the word relativism. In relativism, there are no absolutes. Everybody says, well, everything is relevant. You hear this phrase, that's truth for you. But that's not truth for me, right? Yeah, you, you, do, you go ahead and do you. That's a truth for you. But don't put your truth onto me. The problem is, without a belief in an absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes you happy. What if you had PSL construction to build you a house? And you didn't believe there were any absolutes. And they would just build 
however it makes them feel happy. No. They say, these are absolutes in how to build. You have to build according to this. And if you don't build according to this, you're building something that's not going to stand. I'm here to tell you today, some of you have listened to the lie of the enemy. You're building a life on your own truth and not God's truth. And when you do that, then happiness becomes the standard for which you judge your actions. If this is going to make me happy, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't make me happy, I'm not going to do it. I know what the Bible says, but this is so, feels so right. But it'll destroy you. Max Lucado tells a story about a fish. And he says, some people caught a fish out of the ocean. And they put the fish on the beach. Because they said... The fish would be happier on the beach. So what do you think a fish does when you take it out of the ocean and you put it on the beach? What's it do? Flopping, right? If I could get down and up, I'd flop a little bit, but it'd take me too long to do that. But you know what? It would be flapping. So you said, well, I know what's best for fish. So let's make him happy. Let's just give him some money. If he had, if I had, if I had money, so just... The Benjamins, just throw out the Benjamins. More, 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 more. Does it make the fish happy? No, why? That's not, that's not going to help him. So then you look at him and say, whoa, let's just, let's get a beach chair and some sunglasses and let's give him a margarita. Come on, let's make this right. Let's see, does that make him happy? No. Oh, I know what he needs. Let's get him a Playboy, I mean a Playfish magazine. Ooh, look at the tail on that fish. <laughs> Make him happy? No. He's still struggling. So let him take some selfies and post that. Whoa, hot fish, cool fish, glow fish. Hashtag, never seen one like this. 1,000, 20,000 followers. What about the fish? No, he's still flopping. A fish will never be happy on the beach because he wasn't designed for the beach. Some of you are wondering why you're not happy. You're making more money than you've ever made. You got more things than you've ever had. You're saying, it's just, I'm just not happy. You know why? Because you weren't designed for a low life. You were designed for an above life, above this world. You weren't made for this world, for above this world. You see, sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God. What do you do when you know it's wrong what you're doing? What's the feeling you have? Well, I, I feel trapped. 
I just feel trapped, so I, I don't know how I can get out of this. I try to think my way out, but I just don't know how. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. In fact, would you read it with me? And God is faithful. What, what's that mean, God is faithful? That means he never fails, right? And you say, but I'm trapped in something that's so bad and so hard, I don't know how to get, I, I identify with that fish that's flopping. And I've tried a lot of things, but nothing has worked. Look, read it with me again. And God is faithful, who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a what? A what? A way out so that you can endure it. Write this down. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. Jesus didn't look at this woman and say, I am so embarrassed at you and your behavior. Look how you've lived your life. Look, what, look where you're doing with your life. It's so pathetic. No, he didn't say that. In all the love that he had, he said, I want you to now go free. I want you to go and sin no more. I don't want you to live in this, in this, in this feeling bad for where you are. You see, there's, there's two things that a lot of people do when they, when, they, when they want to turn to God or to get, you know, feel guilty about what they're doing. One thing is remorse. You know what remorse is? Remorse is feeling guilty because I got caught. I got caught. I'm exposed. The reality is. Remorse is, I feel so bad for what I'm doing. I feel so bad for this continued lifestyle. But Jesus never said, remorse and come to me. He said, repent. Re, that word repent, re means to turn. Like if I'm going in this direction, if I'm going to re, I'm going to turn in the opposite direction. Pent is above. It's like if, if you go to a hotel and they let you stay in the penthouse. That's the elevated place above everything else, the most expensive. So here's what repent is. Repent is turning from the low life, flopping on the beach to the high life that God has for me. If that's ever happened in your life, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, thank God. Would you bow your heads with me today? I know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you today that are here in the house and some of you that are watching online. Maybe you walked in this church building today and when I talked about feeling the weight of sin, you feel that. You've been drying your eyes and you've been feeling that emotion since we very, very started because you're feeling the weight of your sin. You're thinking like, what would happen if anyone found out what I did? What does God think about me? How could God ever love me because of what I did? Just let me tell you a promise, something that's very true. God loves you, period, 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 period. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. 
He loves you. God so loves you. What did he do? He sent his only son, Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the sinless son of God who came into this world, not to condemn this world, but to free you and to show you his grace. That's exactly what Jesus did to this woman, caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus, who is without sin, became the perfect sacrifice. He died in your place. He was buried in the tomb on the third day. The stone wasn't there, and neither was he. He was alive. Because the Bible says that anyone, and that includes you, who calls on his name, your sins can be forgiven. You can be made new, forgiven, whole, complete, and healed because of his grace. If you feel under the burden of sin and you're feeling the remorse, I'm going to ask you to move beyond remorse this morning and repent. Turn away. Turn away from the lower life to the higher life. That's why you came today. That's why Jesus brought you today. He wants to see that change in your life. If you're here in this house or you're watching online and you would say, Terry, you know what? I really feel trapped, but today I want to turn away from my old life into the higher life with Jesus. I've been living the lie that what, I'll do whatever makes me happy, but I realize today there's a higher standard and it's what he says in his word. See, sometimes people think that serving the Lord is synonymous with being sad and lonely and depressed. No. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. So there are some of you that are here today that say, you know what? Today's the day that I want to surrender my life. I need the life of Jesus. Terry, would you lead me in a prayer today to see my life changed? If that's you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now and say, that's me. That's me. I want to do that today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others today say, that's me. That's me. I want to do that today. I want to raise my hand. I want to acknowledge right now that I, that I need him, that I need him in my life. I need him today. I need him today. I need him today. And then there's someone that's here that you've been giving an excuse over and over and over for yielding to the same temptation. It's just a remorse. You've never repented over that. Today's the day the Lord wants you to repent of that and come into his blessings, into his grace. Let me lead you into a prayer. We've all prayed a prayer like this at one time or another. It's a prayer that we should all pray together. Would you pray this with me, Father God? Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and he died on the cross and they put him in a tomb but on the third day he rose to life so that I can rise to life now. So I repent and I return to the higher life and I don't believe the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.